The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, small modifications like half in your fries, half in a salad, deciding on a low carb meal, getting your dressing or sauce on the side. The sauce can always be a killer. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. And we are back. For another episode of the Insulone Podcast. Delighted you're here to join me. These weeks seem as if they just go by faster and faster. I feel as if I'm almost doing a podcast episode every day, but I suppose time flies with old age and maybe it could be something got to do with the fact that I was chatting to all the younger generation of diabetics last week. What do you think, Graham? One of, actually, no, I'd say it was my favorite episode and no disrespect to any of the guests that we have on who I know, listen, I too am also on the podcast and I'm I'm nowhere near <laughs> as good as any of these kids and it was so special to get them on and I'm sure their parents loved it as well and it was great seeing some of the parents share the podcast on their Instagram pages from which we got their voices through their parents as well. So it was great to see. Yeah, it was class. There was a great reaction from us unbelievable response and particularly from the kids and the parents themselves so that kind of made it that bit more special so yeah it was great definitely my favorite episode okay hold up hold up hold up hold up we got to talk about your week and actually what happened yesterday because owen costello if you haven't seen on his instagram already made his national television debut in ireland as he was on virgin media television talking about redefining diabetes tell us about the day i want to know it all because you were doing what is about midday were you nervous when you're waking up because we talk every week on the podcast you're on podcasts you've done radio interviews in the past but you've never been on television yeah i was class i'm still kind of i'm still kind of giddy about the whole thing it was great crack delighted to get on but yeah it's, i suppose going on the tv is kind of like a a different kettle of fish compared to the podcast but definitely notice how beneficial doing the podcast was in terms of me being on tv because i'm just used to talking about diabetes so often 
but yeah, it was class. I, I definitely got a few of those pre-match jitters. Once you're in there, you always just you just kind of get on with it, and it was great. And how did it feel? Because I know when you went into set, there's only you and the presenter Ruth that was in there because all the cameras are remotely um, activated now because of COVID-19 and they're trying to keep the numbers down. So what was it like being in this massive TV studio, but no one else in there and there was no <laughs> audience to vibe off? And it's obviously a first experience for you. All the lights are shining on you. You're after getting your makeup done as well. Yeah, tell us about that. So experience. good at setting the scene, Graham. So good. <laughs> I feel like I'm back in there already. Yeah, of course, I was expecting a crowd of thousands and thousands of people cheering my name, but, <laughs> but they weren't there. Uh, no, it was strange, I suppose. Yeah, you would expect there to be even kind of just like loads of camera operators around, but it was literally just me, Ruth, the presenter, and one camera, camera lady just with one camera. So yeah, it was it was not what I expected, but it was great. Unreal experience, delighted I did it like. And it was funny, prior to doing it, I know we've touched on like stress and nerves and how it can kind of <laughs> impact your blood sugar. So I was keeping a really close eye on my on my graph on my Dexcom to see if I would see spikes throughout the day or leading up to it if I was like a bit nervous. <clears throat> but it was grand. My blood sugar was was fine the whole morning. And then when I came out, I think I got back into the car and I checked my blood sugar and it had like spiked up a bit. I'm putting that down to probably just the adrenaline when I was in there. So it was cool to be able to see that that physical response on the phone of probably like adrenaline just pumping through my veins. And one off the interesting thing, because obviously I've been learning as much as I can about diabetes through the podcast and producing it. But I was watching Ruth, the presenter's expressions when you were just telling her some of the things and you were saying how it's you don't get a holiday from it. It's a 24 hour a day thing that is with you constantly. And also her <laughs> shock when you said that even in your dreams, you were dreaming about <laughs> yeah. going into a hypo. Uh, what was that story about? I think you briefly touched on that once before. Can you tell us about that story again? Yeah, so yeah, she was definitely shocked, but sure I could I could have sat there with her talking to her for hours to tell her everything about it. But the hypo dream thing was I've it's happened to me numerous times now where I'm in bed and obviously in reality my blood sugar is dropping, but I'm still asleep. I haven't quite woken up just yet. So in my dream, I remember the most vivid one was I'm having a low blood sugar in my dream and I'm running down the aisle of a supermarket and I'm just like grabbing crisps and grabbing sweets and chocolate off the shelves and shoving it into my mouth. So wrappers and all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I would wake up and I'd be like, oh shit, my blood sugar's low. And then I'd have to start shoveling glucose tablets in. So she probably didn't really understand what I was talking about, but there were a good few people that reached out to me after watching the clip yesterday and they were like, no way. I thought I was the only one that gets those hypo dreams. <laughs> so it's funny. I think there's an episode in just hypo dreams uh, down the line sometime. Definitely. If people want to look back on it, have you put the link up somewhere? Haven't you in your bio on your Instagram? Yeah. So you can find the direct link to the full interview in the bio in my Instagram. He is at Insel Owen if you don't already follow him. And if you're not, what are you doing? Come on. 
follow yeah, Owen. Yeah, to, don't be listening to the podcast without following me on Instagram. <laughs> Um, let's go to an email straight away because there's a good bit in this email and I think we can talk a good bit about it it kicks off hi Owen and Graham Karen here from Sligo which is in the northwest of Ireland if you are a listener from a different country Uh, (laughs) she's type 1 for nearly 7 years and got diagnosed when she was 24 Firstly, great podcast. Love how you are 100% honest about the day-to-day living with diabetes. I've started back cycling and listened to the podcast when I'm out cycling. Just listening to your podcast, it's funny. I never thought too much into being first diagnosed. I lived from home at the time, so learned by myself and at my own pace. I never thought about how I felt, feeling alone, feeling scared. How can I take all this on? And I'm not great at maths. (laughs) I presume that's uh, counting carbs and everything like that. Would be, yeah, I'd assume so. (laughs) Anyway, I want to ask you, how do you manage giving yourself insulin when you're out for a big meal, brackets three course, and then wait four courses? And she goes on with another question, but let's concentrate on that for now. So I presume this is a topic of going out, socializing, eating, eating with family, with a partner, with friends. It must be a big thing because we talk about drinking alcohol a good Mm. bit, but eating is obviously going to affect diabetics probably even more. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. What what we eat is going to have the biggest impact on our blood sugar. That's the reality of it. But Karen, firstly, thanks so much for getting in touch. I appreciate you emailing the podcast. And uh, if it's any comfort to you, I was always shocking at maths in school. So it's it's not too important with diabetes, just as long as you can... uh, work things out for your blood sugar so to answer your question i understand the difficulty surrounding going out for dinner it seems like such a simple thing to do but obviously with diabetes pretty much everything is complicated so the main difference between eating out and eating at home where you're used to is obviously you vast majority of the time at home will prepare your own food you'll know exactly what's going into it you'll know exactly how much insulin to take And you'll know exactly when you're going to eat that meal. Whereas when you're in a restaurant, you're going to order from the menu. You don't necessarily know what they're putting in it. You won't be able to exactly carb count. You won't know the precise amounts of insulin to take. And you definitely won't know how long the food is going to take. So it can be kind of awkward. You could order your meal and you could say, hmm, it's going to arrive in 10 minutes. I'll take my insulin and then sure there could be. A 30 minute delay so that side of it can be complicated but as i said it's easy enough to prepare so owen on a typical friday night you're meeting a few friends you're going for a nice meal what is the first thing you'll do to prepare so the first thing i'll do is i'll try and look into the future and try and plan ahead and have a general idea what i want to eat so i often say It's important to anticipate rather than react. So when you react to something, something has already happened. And, you know, it could be your blood sugar spiked, your blood sugar has dropped. So you need to respond to that reaction in your blood sugar. If you anticipate something before it happens, you're giving yourself the opportunity to potentially prevent it before it even happens. So I'll usually think about what I'm going to have before I step foot in the restaurant so I have an idea of what to expect with my blood sugars. So will you then 
maybe do something that my girlfriend loves doing and check out the menu before you even get there. Look up the restaurant that you're going to and then kind of know, oh, if I'm going to have the burger, I'm going to have spaghetti, I'm going to have the pizza. So then at least in your head, you know, it might know how long it's going to take to come out, but at least I know the food I'm going to have. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's important that you have a vague enough idea of what you're going to be taking and what kind of response to expect from your blood sugar. So say, for example, you are going to eat a very, very high carb meal. That high carb meal is going to have obviously a massive impact on your blood sugar and you can expect a relatively soon spike after you eat after you eat it. Whereas if you have a high carb and a high fat meal, which is just a slight adjustment to the meal, but it could be like a pizza or it could be pasta loaded with with cheese or something. So the fat in that content is going to slow down the spike of your blood sugar from the carbs, the release of that glucose into your bloodstream. So even something as simple as knowing I'm going to have a high carb meal or I'm going to have a high carb and high fat meal, that can completely change the insulin dose that you're going to take. So you, I'm sure you know yourself, Karen, if you have a pizza, well, it happens, it happens to me all the time where I take my insulin, I eat the pizza, I go low, and then an hour or two after, my body has gradually digested that fat, digested that carbohydrate, it's releasing into my bloodstream, and then you just spike, 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 spike. So knowing the food that you're going to eat can let you, I suppose, plan ahead. In an ideal world, you're going out for a pizza. How many units of insulin would you usually take and how long before the pizza comes out? Obviously, in an ideal world, you can't predict when the waiter is going to come out with the food, but ideally. Typically, if I'm eating pizza, I will always half my dose. So it's kind of to counteract that delayed spike. Say I'm taking, just for example's sake, 10 units of insulin for the whole pizza that I'm eating. I will take five before I'll eat the pizza and then I'll take five like maybe an hour after the pizza or when I first see that spike coming in rather than doing what I usually do, which is take my insulin like 10 minutes before my food, eat it, and then I suppose the insulin will peak while the food is being released. So they can kind of counteract and keep my my blood sugar as steady as possible. Okay, so five and five to keep it steady as opposed to 10 and nothing where it'll just go all over the shop. Yeah, well, now that's just me personally. Of course, that's going to be completely different for every other diabetic out there. But yeah, usually that's a good way to combat a high carb, high fat meal is to kind of half your dose or delay it at least. And would you do any modifications to your meal? As in, would you, if you're ordering a burger, would you order without a burger bun or anything else like that? Making small modifications can have a big impact. Even as something as simple as halving your fries with half a salad rather than full fries can be a lifesaver for, for your blood sugar to, for that night. So small modifications like halving your fries, half in a salad, deciding on a low-carb meal, getting your dressing or sauce on the side. The sauce can always be a killer. Why? Because, right, even when you get a salad and it's loaded with dressing or sauce or whatever it is, you don't particularly know what's in it. It can be something as small as dressing and you're like, ah, oh, no, it's grand, it's grand, it's just dressing. But that could be like the silent killer. 
where it could be loaded with sugar, it could be loaded with carbs or loaded with fat. And that can have huge, huge impacts on your blood sugar. So something as simple as just getting your sauce on the side and not loading it on, that can, that can always help. Always ask. It's like me with mustard. I hate mustard on. I hate it. I'll vomit up if I eat mustard. So always have to ask is the mustard, not because of a medical reason, because I hate it. And I suppose I'm lucky like that. <laughs> you are lucky. <laughs> I'm interested in you, Owen. What's your favorite thing to eat when you eat out and how do you counteract it with insulin? My favorite meal is Chinese food. I love Chinese food and I would eat it. I'd eat it for the rest of my life, but... I used to get a Chinese every Friday, right? And I'm a big believer in trial and error with diabetes. So generally you'll eat something, you'll see how your blood sugar reacts. You probably won't get it right the first time in terms of your insulin dose, but you can eat it again. You can try again and then you'll know for the third time, you know, that way. Mm -hmm. So it's like once you'll get some knowledge, second time you'll know more, third time, good to go. You can perfect it. But I used to get a Chinese every Friday and every single weekend, it was just a different reaction in my body. It was an absolute nightmare. Friday night, I just wouldn't sleep because my blood sugar just, I just could not get it right. And it used to drive me mad. So I used to, much like the pizza effect, where I would take my insulin, eat the food, go low because the insulin has started working but the food hasn't yet been released into my bloodstream. So I go low, treat that low, and then it could be like two or three hours later, that Chinese is then being released, and my blood sugar just goes up and up and up and up and up. And I would just be taking loads of insulin, and it wouldn't settle down. It's a nightmare. And when you say Chinese, what, what's in your Chinese? Is it rice, curry, chicken, stir-fry, chips? Yeah, be like chicken balls rice sweet and sour sauce that was my favorite thing chips spring rolls prawn crack oh geez i'm getting hungry now even thinking about it. <laughs> but no look it's i suppose eating out and and getting takeaway food it's, it's something that you shouldn't stop because of diabetes but i'm a big believer in like i'm a big believer in not letting diabetes stop you do anything even something as simple as getting chinese food or eating out at a restaurant but there's a difference between not letting diabetes stop you from doing something and you're like, no, I want to eat this regardless. I want to eat like a, a triple chocolate dessert or whatever it is. Like you can do that, but just make slight adjustments. Don't let diabetes stop you from doing something, but just be clever about it. Because if you go out on a Friday night and you just make all the wrong decisions with the food that you eat, you could be struggling for the whole weekend. You know, because it just has that kind of that kind of ripple effect for the next couple of days. So it's just making small adjustments, being prepared, I suppose, having the confidence to split your dose or take maybe a bit more insulin than you're used to because you're eating different foods that you're used to. And I suppose the big thing is within all of this is definitely anticipate, anticipate it, think about it before you go out and adjust your insulin to what you're actually going to eat, depending on high carb or high fat and modification as well. I think that's a good thing. And even if you get full chips, you don't have to eat them. But then I find that awful hard if I'm trying not to eat them and then they're in front of me, I just start picking at them. I'm like, oh, I know. they're lovely. Well, that's the thing. 
especially when you're at a table of people and they're none of them are diabetic and they're all getting whatever they want it's like oh geez i want to eat all that but another another good tip is say for example you have whatever you have for your dinner and you know your blood sugar is going to be all over the place even if you just go out for 15 20 minute walk that can really really benefit your blood sugar for that night so it can kind of help naturally regulate your blood sugar steady things off a bit so it can really help just you know a romantic 20 minute walk can do the job and i suppose i'm just thinking about the whole time and things i know timing is so important to diabetics i suppose you could just ask the server you could just say i'm a diabetic would you have a rough idea of how long this is going to take because i'm sure they're serving all night long so they're going to know if it's going to be 20 minutes or if it's going to be an hour hmm. just exactly be transparent and with them exactly and knowing something like that is a big advantage to you because vast majority of the time when you take your insulin it's going to be you know 5 10 15 minutes before you eat because you want your insulin to act at the same time as the food being released basically and another thing if you're drinking diet drinks definitely 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 check if it's actually a diet drink the amount of times i've done it with you a few times graham we'd be out and you'd order like i don't know vodka diet coke or even just a diet coke it would have to be a diet coke because a normal coke would be a nightmare to control so i check the coke with my blood sugar strip with my meter and if it comes up low then there's obviously no sugar in it but sometimes if you ask for a diet coke they can give you a full one and you check it and it's like in the 20s or whatever you know yeah yeah hopefully that answers part one of your email karen and we'll move on Uh, Karen says, I was once so against using an insulin pump, but after four years, I gave in and I love it. Can I ask you why personally you don't be on a pump? Thanks again for a great podcast, guys. Keep up the laughs and educating everyone in the process. And that is from Karen. And she has a lovely smiley face at the end, but one of those equal signs in a bracket, like the old school smiley face. Oh, I always appreciate those. Mm. That extra couple seconds of effort. So thanks, Karen. Appreciate that. Personally, why I don't use a pump, I this is probably my most asked question. I've always had good management with insulin pens. So I personally, a pump has never really appealed to me. I feel a lot of the time with diabetes supplies and equipment and tech, a lot of it can just come down to personal preference. You know, what works for you, Karen? may not work for me and what works for me may not work for somebody else. So a lot of it can depend on how active somebody is, their routine each day and just what works best for them. I've always felt that my management has been good with pens. So I haven't really felt it necessary to get a pump. I know loads of people on them. I probably know more people on pumps than who aren't on pumps, but it it purely just depends on, on each person. I love the pens, super convenient. And I have a CGM now, so it's uh, the two of them kind of work well. Obviously, I'm probably one of the only people listening to this podcast wondering this, but what actually does a pump do? Can you explain the, the technology behind it? So it can vary from pump to pump, but basically what it is, is you can set your carb ratio. It's kind of like a CGM, but it's constantly on you and it has a, a little tube. So it will let's call it secrete insulin naturally so you don't kind of have to do those doses so when your blood sugar goes high it can automatically input some insulin it can depend on pump to pump really i suppose it's like having an android and an iphone where they both do the same job but obviously 
there are different ways that they do the job, basically. But because everybody's diabetes is different, then does it have to adapt to that person's body? Well, no, you can manually set the settings of it. Oh, okay. You know? So gotcha. you, you will ha- there will be insulin in the pump and then you completely set the settings of it, basically. Okay. So when it gets so to a certain reading, then it will secrete insulin. Yeah. So it's like specifically tailored for your own insulin needs. It would actually be interesting to try one sometime though, because I've never used one. So maybe Karen, you're giving me that extra push to give it a go, I suppose. But I actually remember when I was in New York, I was talking to some guy and like some guy I knew and he didn't know I was diabetic. I obviously didn't know he was diabetic. And then I think I like whipped out my needle to or to take an injection or something. I can't really remember what it was. But next thing, he just takes out a pump from his pocket. And I was like, what's that? Because it looked like a phone straight away. He goes, I'm diabetic too. And then she was telling me all about the pump. You could be a pump converter or convertee. Karen is the converter and you're the convertee. Maybe down the line <laughs> yeah. you could be having a pump. Who knows? I never know. I might be onto you, Karen, to give me some pump tips. <laughs> and we'll see if I can get one. Karen, thank you very much for your email. Of course, if you're listening and you're like, hey, I want to ask Owen a question, you can do so. The email address is theinsulownpodcast at gmail.com. It's just the name of the podcast and send us on and we'll try to get them to them over the coming week. Absolutely. And as always, appreciate you listening. If you are new here, because there's a few newcomers that we're noticing on the podcast, definitely, definitely urge you to go back to episode one. They aren't sequential, but there's a lot of valuable information in there. So drop back. They're only about 25, 30 minutes each, so you can fly through them. And uh, I'd love to know what you think. But until then, all the good stuff, rate, comment, subscribe. Have a great week. Have a great week, Graham. You too, Owen, and you too, Insulone Podcast listeners. (laughs) Take it easy. Bye.